Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 27 of Revelation chapter 18. We're going to be reading verses 15 through 19. The merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour... So great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off, and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads, and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city! wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour she made desolate. And I'll stop reading there. Now, as we have been going through Revelation 18, we've seen that God is describing the judgment of Babylon at the end of time. It's the judgment upon this world, the kingdom of Satan. And beginning in verse 8, through verse 19, the Lord is giving an illustration of those that are witnessing Babylon's destruction. He started with the kings of the earth, and then uh, he spoke of the merchants of the earth, and in these verses we just read, he speaks of shipmasters and, and so forth that are, that are all witnessing it. So three groups, kings of the earth, merchants of the earth, and those involved with ships that are witnessing it, as the number three points to his purpose. And three times the statement is made in one hour. We read that three times to indicate God's purpose. In one hour is thy judgment come or thy judgment came. And also three times it is said, alas, alas. And, and that is woe, woe, as we had back in Revelation 8, when God was turning the judgment from the church to the world, he said, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And the final three trumpets, the final three would, would identify with each of the woes. And so um, the three woes pointed to the judgment of the world that uh, would be outlined in Revelation 9 and, and following. It also is three woes doubled because that was one of the emphasis in this chapter. Reward her as she rewarded you. Double unto her, double according to her works. So it's a, a double measure given to Babylon, which we discussed previously concerning the judgment of two-thirds rather than one-third, 666, the number of men. And so uh, the three illustrations God is giving really are one. Each one describing the same thing. 
and and that's why there is similar language. They are looking at the fall of Babylon in the day of God's wrath, and that began on May 21, 2011, immediately after the tribulation. Now here we read in verse 17, in Revelation 18, at the beginning of the verse, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught. And we have spent some time, the last couple of studies, looking at how God views mankind and, and man's wealth that, that people have treasured up in their hearts, treasuring up these things against the day of wrath because they're going to have to pay for their sins. The wages of sin is death and, and now, um, it's the loss of their earthly inheritance, and, and and God does speak in the Bible of an inheritance for every human being. The elect receive an eternal inheritance, the eternal life, a new heaven and new earth, and, and a glorious future with God in our very presence forevermore. But God also speaks of unsaved people as receiving an inheritance. And yet their inheritance is given to them at this time in this world. And they have wasted their substance. They've wasted their inheritance um, upon sin and the pleasures of sin, earthly things. They've stored up their riches in uh, a very dangerous location, which is in this world. It is earthly valuables of uh, maybe houses and cars and and money in banks. And, and of course, all that goes as soon as a man dies or the, the end of the world comes. And, and they have gone after the things of the world that God warned against. He said, love not the world, neither the things of the world, for the world passeth away. And and so God has, before time, told every human being, uh, don't be a fool, uh, do not be deceived, and, and do not uh, go for the present satisfaction, the present enjoyment of things. Do not uh, cast off the reward of a future inheritance, of future eternal life for the pittance, the sorrowful, pitiful um, inheritance of living this life for a season, for, for a short period of time. And, and that was the sin of Esau. Remember when earlier before the blessing was given to his brother Jacob, that he sold his birthright. He, he came in hungry from, from the field and, uh, Jacob was making some pottage of some kind, some, uh, red pottage and, and Esau for the, the present fulfillment of a bowl of soup sold his birthright. And we, we think, well, what a terrible deal that was. Well, it, it's actually an excellent illustration of what mankind has done 
with their birthright of being created in the image of God and then uh, giving up the uh, the eternal inheritance by going after present earthly things, temporal things, and forsaking eternal things. And, and so now comes the end where we're at. We're living in the day of judgment. And God is showing the picture here in Revelation 18 of people witnessing the loss of their earthly inheritance, their earthly riches, their treasures that they have stored up. And it came, it says here in Revelation 18, 17, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught. Now literally, this reads, because in one hour was desolated great riches. And again, notice it's past tense. Um, came to naught actually should be the word naught or come to naught should be translated desolated past tense. It's the same word that's found in verse 19 of um, Revelation 18. And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness for... In one hour is she made desolate, the identical Greek word. And notice there the word made, made desolate, makes it past. And so it agrees with the statement back in verse 10, For in one hour is thy judgment come, or in one hour thy judgment came. It is focused on the end of the hour, which points to great tribulation, The hour expired, it elapsed, the time of the greatest period of of earthly rule for Satan and, and his kingdom of Babylon was that last hour of the Great Tribulation, that one hour period, and then came the conclusion of the hour, the end of the Great Tribulation, and all the riches of Babylon immediately come to naught, or Babylon is made desolate. And the word desolate, translated come to naught also, is Strong's 2049. It's related to um, 2048. 2048 is translated often as wilderness or desert. And and that's the idea. When, when God left the world and abandon his salvation program, never to save another sinner, well, the water of the gospel dried up and and instantaneously the world became a barren wasteland. It was made desolate. And and that's what uh, the Lord is saying here. Okay, going, continuing in verse 17. And every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. Now, God, uh, who's already told us that the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth were watching this occur, now is saying, um, or directing his attention to the sea, to those involved in um, the merchant marines, 
each one of these that are listed has to do with sailing or or shipmen uh, uh, shipmaster and the word uh, shipmaster is only found one other place and that's in acts 27 in verse 11 where and uh, in, in, in acts 27 we have the apostle paul traveling on the ship that will see shipwreck and it says in 2711 nevertheless the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by paul the word master is the same word here translated as shipmaster and and so every shipmaster and all the company in ships now the the word company is only used in this verse but it has to do with with people that are um on board the ship we would say and sailors and the word sailors is translated as shipmen also a couple of times in Acts 27 for instance in Acts 27 verse 27 but when the 14th night was come as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and and that's the same word sailors so shipmaster is the master the company and ships or the passengers we could say and sailors or shipmen and finally it says and as many as trade by sea and the word trade is the same word translated as work when uh, uh, people are laboring or working and everything in the verse has to do with ships and normally we would think in the bible that a ship relates to the church and the ship in acts 27 is a type and figure of the new testament church and when it becomes shipwreck that's a picture of the end of the church and paul and and actually everyone on board the whole company of the ship the 276 souls make it safe to land on the island of malta and um, they they get there in various ways, but they represent God's elect within the churches at the point of the end of the church age. They all are safely delivered from the shipwreck, and they make it to the island. Now, once on the island of Malta, they stay there for a while, but then they take ship again, and a ship that has the sign of uh, Castor and Pollux, I think it says in Acts 28, but it, it's it's a ship that does not identify with the churches and congregations, uh, and, and so that means that a ship can represent the church, as it does in chapter 27 of Acts, or it can have relationship with the world, as the the ship in Acts 28 does, and. And also we went back to Ezekiel 27 in our last study and we saw that Tyrus um, was deeply involved in merchants upon the sea as it says in Ezekiel 27 in verse 26 thy rowers 
have brought thee into great waters. The east wind has broken thee in the midst of the seas. Thy riches and thy fares, thy merchandise, thy mariners and thy pilots, thy caulkers and the occupiers of thy merchandise, and all thy men of war that are in thee, and in all thy company which is in the midst of thee, shall fall in the midst of the seas in the day of thy ruin. The suburbs shall shake at the sound of the cry of thy pilots, and all that handle the oar, the mariners, and all the pilots of the sea, shall come down from their ships, they shall stand upon the land, and shall cause their voice to be heard against thee, and shall cry bitterly, and shall cast up dust upon their heads. They shall wallow themselves in the ashes, and they shall make themselves utterly bald for thee, and gird them with sackcloth. They shall weep for thee with bitterness of heart, and bitter wailing, and in their wailing they shall take up a lamentation for thee, and lament over thee, saying, What city is like Tyrus, like the destroyed in the midst of the sea? And and Tyrus, again, we, we can show from Ezekiel 28. God says the king of Tyrus was in the Garden of Eden, and, and Tyrus was called the anointed cherub, and, and Tyrus is a representation of mankind. And in, in Ezekiel 27, it's the day of Tyrus's ruin. Now, one important point we need to make in both Ezekiel 27 and here in Revelation 18. Since we saw some of this language directs us to Acts 27 and we might get the idea that it's referring to the end of the church age. No. It, in Acts 27, it is the ship that is destroyed. In Revelation 18, it is Babylon, the city Babylon that is destroyed, and the shipmaster and the company, all the company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning. So if the shipmaster and so forth, um, if the language there was was them weeping and howling or crying because the ships were destroyed and burning, well, then we would think, yes, it's the judgment on the churches, but it's not the ships. It is the city Babylon. And it's not the ships in Ezekiel 27. It is Tyre or Tyrus that is is being ruined. It is the destination for the ships. It is where they, they sail to and from. They, they are merchants of the sea. They trade by sea. And, and so they, they go to Tyrus or they travel to Babylon. And now Babylon, the destination for the ships. Now we, we could understand that yes, the shipmen as well as the kings of the earth, uh, reference earlier can relate to those within the corporate church, unsaved people, it is as though they are witnessing the one in which they have uh, committed spiritual fornication with, spiritual adultery, Babylon, and and thereby uh, had involvement in buying and selling with them and trading and so forth. 
that now the one that they have gotten rich by uh, because they have interacted with the world and become a part of the world, a part of Babylon, that that they are sorrowing at the destruction of Satan's kingdom. And, and we, we could understand that, but it also can be the unsaved people of the earth, as God uh, speaks of them also, uh, in Ezekiel 27, having relationship to ships, and and in Acts 28, with those that, that sailed the ship with that sign of Castor and Pollux. Well, here we we see that again these four groups: shipmaster, all the company and ships, sailors, and those that trade by sea, are pictured because four points to universality or or the worldwide nature of the judgment. Well, it goes on to say in verses 18 and 19, and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea, by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. And uh, the, this is basically reiterating, going over the same thing as God does often in the Bible. He makes a point, he drives the point home, he further emphasizes the point. This is the purpose of God concerning the judgment of this world. It has come, the time of the end. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.